0: Welcome, everyone. I just want to thank you for inviting me into your house today. It's a uh, Pentecost Sunday, actually, and um, and uh, in keeping with that, we we um, are going to honor the Lord with our tithes and offerings this morning. And He said He said in Proverbs chapter three that we would uh, if we would honor Him with our substance and with the first fruits of all our increase that our That our barns would be filled with plenty and our presses would break out with new wine. In the modern vernacular, that would be saying, Hey, I'm going to take care of your finances, going to take care of your bank accounts, going to make sure that you have reserve. Matter of fact, he said that you'd be able to give to your children's children. And, uh, you know, that's a promise in the Word of God. You got to go, if you, and again, if you make the promises precious, they will work for you. And so uh, just go ahead and prepare your offering and we'll pray over. We th- we thank you, Lord, um, for Psalm 134, Psalm 35, or 27, God, where you you told us to sh- rejoice, to shout for joy and be glad because we favor your righteous cause. And we continue to say, let the Lord be magnified that takes pleasure in our prosperity. Thank you, Lord. And we'll speak our tongues. We'll speak of your righteousness all the day long. We proclaim your promises over your words we again make them precious uh, uh, last time I taught, we were talking from uh, Samuel chapter two and verse thirty, where the Lord said, Those that honor me, I will honor, and those that dishonor me, I will lightly esteem lightly esteem and again it's like steam on a mirror it's like it's like you know it's like in genesis twelve three where he said I'll bless those that bless you and curse those that curse you. He doesn't pronounce a curse on anybody. It just means that that you don't get his attention. And so it's kind of like, you know, we can even hook that up with Hebrews 11, 6, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because number one, we must believe that he exists. And number two, that he actually rewards those that diligently seek uh, him. And so, um, but in keeping with Pentecost Sunday, you know, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they're all in one accord, one place. There came a sound from heaven like a mighty rushing wind that filled the place where they were setting. There appeared unto them cloven tongues of fire and sat upon each of them. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. He told them in Luke 24:49, uh, tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with this power from on high. You need this power from on high. And so when you... When you um, Look, uh, I think in Luke chapter 8, he sent disciples out, but in Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 1, it says that he sent out 70 more and gave them the power to heal the sick and all that. And, and so they went out and when they came back, um, I think in verse um, 17 or so, they said, uh, wow. We've got all this power working in our lives and even devils are subject unto us. And so he said, he said in verse 18, he said, behold, I beheld his lightning, Satan fall from heaven. In other words, when Satan rebelled against God, it was immediate ejection. And, uh, but he, and he said, and I give you the power. He said, I give you the power to tread upon the serpent and the scorpion and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. But then he said, the next thing he said was, but don't get happy over the fact that you're operating in this power. He said, rejoice that your names are written down in heaven in the Lamb's book of life. And so, so again, as I've been processing these things over these few weeks and, you know, talking about honor and glory being the same word, it means you're giving weight to something. It's like, when you read about a tithe promise, like we just talked about there, and when you give weight to it, when you give weight to it, that's honoring God. if you dismiss it it's it's not and so and so as we as we follow through this progression because romans eight nineteen says this, it says that all of creation is waiting for a manifestation of the sons of God, and sometimes I assume that it's about the power gifts and And you know the gifts of spirit in Corinthians chapter thirteen, and and expecting all those things. And I know that that's a part of it, but I think that there may be something missing. I've watched a friend of mine fall in love over the last little while, (laughs) nameless at this point. (laughs) But but when you when you meet somebody and you fall in love with somebody, they take your attention. They they sometimes affect who you hang out with, where you go. It's kind of like, like, you know, when I look back at my own life, when I got born again, I didn't quit my friends. They quit me because I wasn't that person anymore. And, and that's what happens a lot of times. People fall in love and they get married and all of a sudden the, their whole circle of friends change and the way that they look at life changes. And, and so, and so when I look at this glory and I, and I, and I see the heart of God, I, I let's let's begin today in um let's begin today in john thirteen and verse one
1: because in john thirteen and verse one well maybe we could read it but it's so powerful it's i'll find it here a second yes In John 13, 1, it was just before Passover,
0: the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to his father. Look at this. Having loved them, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the very end. And again, I I know that I can say this for a lot of pastors as well as myself. When you've been pastoring for a number of years, the biggest thing that you struggle with is convincing people that God loves them. But really that's where it starts. You can't, you know, you can't even get second Corinthians five seventeen to 21 says that we're a new creation, new species, and that we've been reconciled to God. He came to reconcile us back to him. And then he gave us, the ministry of reconciliation. What is the, what is the, what what are we reconciled to? To the love of God, to the love of God. When you study the life of Jesus, reading through the gospels, it's funny sometimes because he, you know, I think in Matthew 23, he called the Pharisees hypocrites like seven times. Like, Like he was, you know, pointing fingers at them and calling them because they were not spreading. The gospel is what Jesus taught in, uh, Quoting from the book of Isaiah in Luke chapter 4. Isaiah, by the way, you know, when they found his letter, 66 volumes of the book of Isaiah in the Dead Sea Scrolls in 48 or 49 AD, 1949 AD rather, it was the only book that they found that was complete. And then you study the life of Isaiah and you find out that nobody listened to him while he was nobody listened to him while he was alive. <laughs> but now the first message that Jesus preached was Luke 4 18 and 19. The Spirit it says it found he found the place where it was written of, of him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty the bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then the Bible says, and he closed the scroll. He didn't even finish quoting all all that Isaiah said in Isaiah 61. He rolled it up and closed it because his part of the message was, I came to tell you that I love you. I came to, to to bring life to you, and, and matter of fact, when you when you study the scriptures, you find out that wherever Jesus went, he preached that same message: "Spirit of God's upon me; He's anointed me; I came here to do that." But the 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 thing that the thing that you notice as you study through these verses is that Jesus spent all of his time telling the disciples he loved them, having a love relationship with them. Matter of fact, it's funny because when you read through when you read through the Bible, you find out that Jesus went into Jerusalem by day, but he never stayed there at night. And when you travel to Jerusalem and, and, and go up there on the Mount of Olives, there's a cave where they hung out every night. And when I when I see it, because I because I've I've got a, a partial revelation of the love of God anyway, I see that they were having they were having fun. They were laughing. They were enjoying one another's company. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't some solemn feast all the time. It was, it was, it was eat the frat, drink the sweet, neither be ye sorry for the joy of the Lord is your strength. He was strengthening them every day by telling me, love them. I love you. I love you. I love you. And then of course, after he was crucified and rose from the dead, um, after he was crucified, they all gave up and went home briefly Matter of fact, Peter said, I think I'll go back fishing. And the other disciples said, yeah, we'll go too. Because they really needed, they really needed what he said in Luke 24, 49, to tarry in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. They had to, to, even though they had been around that love, even though they had witnessed it numerous times, they didn't really link into the love of that until they were filled with the Holy Ghost. Because why? Because the Holy Ghost is your teacher and your guide, he'll show you all the truth. And we love quoting those verses in John where he'll lead you into all truth and show you things to come. But lots of times when he shows you the truth, it's about you. It's about the fact that you don't have that love relationship with God. And he wants to send you out with the ministry of reconciliation from 2 Corinthians 5. But the ministry of reconciliation is not religion. The ministry of reconciliation is God loves you. God is not mad at you. I didn't come to judge you. I came to set you free. I didn't come to criticize the way that you're living right now. I don't agree with your lifestyle, but, but that's not the message. The message is he came to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal a brokenhearted, to bring deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. That's the ministry, and it's not the pastor's ministry. It's not the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist's ministry. It's the ministry of reconciliation that he gave to everyone, to every one of us. And so so you and I have this ministry. And so when he says that he loved them to the very end, the message that he was giving them for the world was, I love you. I'm not mad at you. I didn't come to condemn the world, but to reconcile the world back to myself. That's why when I'm looking at um, the things that are going on, you know, with the pandemic and all of that, I, I see that, People are getting so angry. You know, like every day people are sending me things. Look at this. Watch this. Look this. No, I don't want to. Please don't send me anymore. My Bible tells me that I need to learn to love my enemies, to do good to those despitefully use me. And I can't go around being angry when I'm supposed to be. Again, a manifestation of the glory of God is really, when you study through the Gospel of John, it's really a ministry of love. It's a ministry. I, I don't, I, I don't agree with what you're doing. I don't have to agree with you doing, but I'm not upset with you. And I'm not going to let you upset me. Sometimes, whatever you feed on, whatever you, whatever you feed on, you give life to. And so many Christians today, So many. I'm glad we woke up to the fact that, you know, look, just ask Surrey what Nancy means. And she'll tell you, it's a, it's a, a socialist uh, government, a socialist party. Well, we've been in one of those for years here. It's just finally we're beginning to see it. And many of you out there voted them in, <laughs> voted against God because of ignorance and unbelief. But but that's that's not the message that the church has. Let me let me just show you something else here. Let me show you something else here.
1: Put my spectacles on. Um. I want to go to, um, again, we looked
0: at Luke 10 where he sent out the 70 and they came back rejoicing. He sent out a lot more than 70. But the thing is, but here's here's the deal. Like he said, don't get excited about the power that you manifested when you're out there ministering. That's because that draws attention to you. You know, you need to, you need to come to the place where Like in Matthew 13, when the disciples said, explain to us this story about the tares and the wheat. Remember, remember the story of the tares and the wheat where the Satan came and sowed some tares in amongst the wheat and Jesus said, leave them both until harvest. And then when you study out the tares and the wheat, you find out that they both look the same until harvest time. And then the wheat bows, it gets top heavy and it bows. And so, really, what he's saying here is the difference between the pride and and, and and the humility, and the message of the message of the gospel is a humble message. It's not a proud message. It's it, it, it'll, you know. He said, "Heal the sick that are that are in the town, and tell them the king. Heal the sick, and tell them that the kingdom of God has come near to you. What is the kingdom of God? Righteousness, peace." joy in the Holy ghost. So I'm not going in there and saying, you can't be living like this. You can't be living like that. That's not my message. That's the message. You preach Jesus to the unsaved. You preach, uh, those other messages by the Holy ghost to the saved ones. You know, you're going to, you're going to preach to the Christians how to live, but again, not to make it a religious, uh, a religious thing, but to, but because once you, it's like once you receive the love of God, you can give the love of God. If you, you can't give away what you don't have. And so the primary thing that you preach to the unsaved is Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. You get that ingrained in them. And then when opportunities come to change and to grow, it's like, okay, God Holy Spirit lead me guide me show me what to do about this and, and and then it's not a hallelujah thank you lord he said the spirit dimension has just burst in upon you that was his message god came to reconcile you back to himself now but but now just to illustrate this point right here while we're in Luke chapter 10 there was a there was a,
1: a rich young ruler let me see if I could find it here. And behold, a certain lawyer, a legalist, you know, one of the, and because he was a
0: lawyer, he would be probably welcome in the religious church. You know, he knew the scriptures and he tithed and gave offerings and did all those things, but not from a heart motive. So, so he, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him and said, Master, what shall I do? You can hear the pride in his voice. What shall I do to be saved, to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, what, what's written in the law? How do you read it? He answered and said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and uh, lo- and, and love your neighbor as yourself. He said unto him, he said, you've answered right. Do these things and live. Of course, he willing to justify himself said, Who's my neighbor?
1: Who is my neighbor? And so Jesus is going to get him here. Jesus is going to get him. And Jesus said,
0: uh, a certain man came down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves, and he was left half dead, wounded, stripped, departed. But again, this is this is this is a type of what happened to Adam. You know, Adam lost his his glory coat and was found naked and, uh, and ashamed and all that he got stripped. He was half dead. He he died physically nine hundred years later, but when he when he rebelled against God, he he died spiritually, and um, and so and by chance there came down a certain priest on the way and saw him and passed by on the other side. Well, when I read this, I Jesus was going to use this to to minister to the rich young ruler, to the lawyer. And really, like, you know, maybe we could say it this way. There was a certain Republican that came down. There was a certain liberal that came down and and, and passed by on the other side, had nothing to give him, or a Democrat or whatever. The, the the point of the message is not the fact that it was a priest or a Levite. the The priesthood couldn't help him. The, and the the Levitical priesthood couldn't help him. It was, and this is what he's illustrating here. He said that a certain priest went by and passed on the other side. Religious, because the religious one or the law cannot save you, right? He's experienced spiritual death and he needs the righteousness of God. And so likewise, a Levite, the ritual, the Levite was the ritual of the law. It, it, the, the Levite was the guy that, goes through the paces every Sunday you you come to church and you, you go through the motions and everything, but there's nothing in it. You raise your hands because you're supposed to, and you, you sing and read the words on the screen, but you're not locked in because, because you, because you haven't got a revelation of the love of God. Because it's kind of like when I sit home now and, and, um and, you know, like yesterday reading through some of this stuff, I, thinking God I try to picture the people like I remember the last time we were in lockdown Pastor Paul took a picture of the congregation and put it on the pulpit and it really helped because because we don't want to talk to a camera we want to talk to you and the message that we have we got from him to bring to you is so that you can so that you can grow so that he can bring the change agent the holy ghost to activation in your life. Likewise, the Levite, when he was in place, came, he looked and passed by on the other side. But then, but likewise, but, but then a certain Samaritan. Now here, this is crucial here. A certain Samaritan. Samaritans were multiracial or biracial. Samaritans were like, um, like I didn't know what that was like. Like, like my, my grandchildren are biracial. And uh, I I'd, I'd never, never, ever give it a thought until when I went to Franklin, Tennessee, when they were living there and to visit with them. And I'd be walking down the street, taking them to McDonald's or something in my hand, in my arms. And and people would slow down and look at me. White people, black people would slow down and look at me. And I realized that this, that there's something about what's happening here that's bothering them and uh, and it's not right and so when but when but when the lord uses a certain samaritan he's saying i'm going to show you you know you, you tell me that you love your neighbor and you he's saying i'm going to show you that i'm going to use an example to you that's going to rub you the wrong way it's kind of like it's like when God told Jonah to go to Nineveh to preach, he went to Tarshish. He ended up in, in the belly of a fish because he was so racist that he hated the Ninevites and wouldn't go. But I love that story because off chapter one, you know, he's, he's been swallowed up by his pride. and But then in chapter two, when he gets barfed up on the beach, God says to him again, go to Nineveh. His, God's plan doesn't change, but you will. And when you learn how to love, when I learn how to love everybody, the manifestation of the glory of God, all the things that we're desiring to see in this last day will begin to manifest because people will experience the love of God. So I'm not doing the the gifts of the Spirit so that you can say, oh, wow, isn't that a hoop or something? No, no, no. Jesus was moved with compassion. It was it was his love for people that motivated everything that he did. His love for people, and so this is and and then he said this one. He said, "I've reconciled you and given you the ministry of reconciliation." And then in verse twenty one of Second Corinthians five, he says, "He he, says, he, God made him to be sin who knew no sin, that you'd be made the righteousness of God, reconciled back to God, righteousness, peace, enjoying the Holy Ghost in Him, so that.'" So that you're not trying to do anything to get God to love you anymore. You're taking his love and looking to give it away. It's like, I got it. I'm, I'm not trying to, be, trying to be loved. I am loved. And now that that love is beginning to flow to I me. Mean, I think in Acts chapter 11, it says that they were called Christians first at Antioch. It wasn't because they were operating in the power gifts or anything like that. It was because they were loving one another. They were loving the lost at any cost. Hallelujah. So it was a certain Samaritan. <laughs> Hallelujah. And he journeyed and came where he was. And when he saw him, he had, what is that? Compassion. You know, other translations would call it a bow of mercy. And bows of mercy, the reason why he uses the word bowels is it's something in you moving out to reach to somebody else. And it's not coming out of your head. It's coming out of your heart. And here's the deal. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. The fruit of the Spirit, we all love the gifts of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit starts out with love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, meekness, and temperance. Against such, there is no law. It takes you into sonship. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. And all of creation is waiting for that manifestation of the love of God popping out of the church. And if there ever was a time when the world needed the love of God, it's right now. Right now. It says that, it said that the Spirit went and journeyed and came where he was, saw him and had compassion on him, bound up his wounds and poured in the oil and the wine and set him on his own beast, that I called it, and took him to took him to the inn, the Holy Ghost. And on the morning when he departed, he took out two pence and said unto him, Take care of him, and whatever he spends more, when I come again, I will repay you. See, it's like he took out two pence. Well, in this case, it represents two thousand years' wages, because we're talking about you know man being reconciled back to God. But then he said, at the end of the day. At the end of it all, when I come back, if, you, if there's anything else, put it on my account too. Don't you see that? Put it on my account. And then he says this. He said, which of these do you think loved his neighbor? And the, the, the lawyer couldn't even say it. He couldn't even say it. He couldn't even say it. He said, the one that you talked about. He wouldn't even say the Samaritan. They despised the Samaritans. and, and, and But really what God did was expose his heart. And this is what we all need. We need our hearts exposed because we don't want to be, I'm telling you, you you don't need to be walking around angry with anybody. Our righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, some of the stuff that people will will pop on social media, you'd be cranky all the time. (laughs) You know, take the vaccine, don't take the vaccine, blah, 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 blah. Listen, do what brings you peace. Hallelujah. And don't, and just because, we have a difference of opinion. Doesn't mean we have to. Doesn't mean we can't walk together and be in agreement. If I'm really going to love you, amen to that. Okay, amen to that. Anyways, okay. Let's go over a couple of pages. Let's go to another very familiar story here. A par- we all know these parables, or but but here in Luke 15. Well no. Let's let's read Luke. Fourteen a little bit here, too, because he talks here about true disciples and true disciples you know in john eight thirty one he said If you'll continue in my word, you'll be my disciple indeed, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth that you know reveals who you are in him too, reveals your character, character adjustments and character change, and all that, but he's saying, the true disciple will- co- will continue in my word there's that hunger. That hunger for the Word of God, and again, I'd like to encourage you. If you're not hungry for the Word of God, it's amazing to me that I look back over a few years. My son Joey came on one time with a smoker, and we began to smoke some food. And we all, the praise and worship team, got invited out there. Next thing you know, Paul, Pastor Paul Wilson's got one, and now James can, and Louis can. Like the list just keeps growing of people. Paul Dorrington, because it, because because it created. An appetite. And that's why would the Bible would say iron sharpens iron that when we get together, when we get together and begin to talk about the goodness of God, we, we, we fire one another up. When you get around negativity, it's like a flat tire. You can't go anywhere until you fix it. But when you but when you get with other believers, and especially sharing the word of God, Pastor Paul and I started out years and years ago, we would get in my office for hours sometimes and Pump ourselves up with the word of God, you know, and uh, and and we're still there, like we didn't we didn't follow the love, <laughs> you understand? But you, you 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 rekindle these things. You keep your love alive, like you know. Again, I don't have to go to church when the church door opens. I get to go, and I don't. You know, when he said in Hebrews ten twenty five to not forsake the the assembling of yourselves together. It's because we fire one another. Let me just say something. If you've lost interest in going to church, you've lost interest in God. Oh, no, you can still quote scripture and sit around and talk to people. But if you really love God, then you love his family. You want to be with his family. You can't wait to see them again. (laughs) You know, he's just like, I can't wait till we get together so that we can worship the Lord. Come on. By the way, I'm having coffee here, you're having your morning coffee. Uh, and I didn't think it would be a sin
1: to have a cup of coffee in church. There's
0: no ushers here to get me. <laughs> okay, now where are we? Okay. Yeah. So so in chapter fourteen Verse seventeen, Jesus said He sent his servant at supper time. He, he well no verse sixteen. There was a certain man prepared a great supper, and called everybody. And he sent his servant and said, "Come now, all things are ready. Go out and and get people. Bring them bring them into the house." But they began to, to make excuses because they're because they they weren't in love. And again, you cannot you cannot love until you learn, until you are loved. Matter of fact, in John four he said. In in the God, in First John it says that he that loveth not, I think it's the first seven or verse eight of First John. For he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So when you get a hold of the love of God, and and and, and you, when when it hits you, you don't want to be anywhere else. You want to be where your love is. You want to be around. You know you want to be Psalm sixteen eleven in His presence, His fullness of joy. Listen, if you're not having experienced the fullness of joy, you haven't embraced the love of God yet. When you, when that love of God gets you, let me tell you, it'll rock your world and it'll never stop, never stop. But he said, he said, they began to make excuses. By the way, you know, man is the only man creates excuses. There was no excuse in the beginning. (laughs) In the beginning, God made excuses. No in the beginning, God created everything. Man is the only one that created. They began to make an excuse and say, I have bought a piece of ground, and I need to go and take care of it. Let me tell you something. God can take care of your ground. You you need to take care of it. God said, if you'll take care of my business, I'll take care of your business. I, I know that, that those, are thing, those are things that you, that we need, but we need to always hook that up with Matthew chapter 6, seeking first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things. He said, "I pray may I be excused." And another said, "I brought. I just bought. I just bought a new car. Five yoke oxen. <laughs> I'm home polishing their nails. I don't know. <laughs> See everything we. But, but what he's really saying here, when he said the supper was ready, he's saying everything that you need in life is now ready. When he created the heavens and the earth, you read it. He created in Genesis chapter one everything that man would need, and then he created the man. He didn't create the man to have needs. He created man after all the needs were met. And then when you get to chapter 2 of Genesis, and verse 1, it says he moved into the seventh day. Why? The seventh day, because it was a rest day. Hebrews 4.11 says, labor to enter into my rest. He's saying, in other words, I didn't create you to, to work. I created you to tend the garden with the words of your mouth. But I didn't create so all things he said, I've already prepared everything for you. So
1: remember this that there's no excuse until you make one. And really and and every every failure has this disease excuse. Excuses. Procrastination. Matter of fact, the average people have a mild case of
0: making excuses because God didn't create you to be average. He created you to be more than a conqueror through him who loved him. He created you greater as he that is in you than he that's in the world. Romans 8, 17. I, I like verse fifteen. and he said, we cry. Think about it. We cry, Abba, Father. Dad, you're my dad. I'm not out there trying to get love and trying to, trying to earn a living, trying to eco it in existence, trying to stay ahead of this disease or that disease. No, I dwell in the secret place of the Most High. I abide in the shadow of Almighty God, and I say of the Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress, my God, and you do I trust. Surely you deliver me from a pestilence, from a COVID or whatever. Come on. Come on. The reason people are afraid is because they don't know the love. Why? Because mature love casts out fear. Mature love casts out fear. When you know the love of God, you're not afraid of anything, man or beast. So this guy says, I got five oaks, o- o- yoke of oxen. I got to go and take care of it. Again, trying to satisfy a spiritual need with a physical thing. Five yoke of oxen, by the way, makes a man very rich. Another said, I just married a wife and I cannot come. So that servant, when he told the Lord, the master of the house was upset. He got angry. In verse 25, he says, and there was, went multi, great multitudes, and he turned and said to them, If any man come unto me, no, no, I'm jumping, ahead. I'm trying to jump ahead too far here on this Sunday morning. He said, How about in verse 21 go quickly and get the, go into the lanes of the city and bring the blind, the poor, the maimed, the halt. And the Lord went and did that, and yet there was still some room. And so go into the highways and the byways and the hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. What's God's goal? To fill the house. But then in verse uh, verse 26, it says, and if if any man comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters in his own life, cannot notice you need to circle that cannot. Cannot be my disciple. what's he saying? He's, you don't hate your family. he's just saying, you, you need to again, back in Samuel 2:30, those that honor me, I will honor. He's talking about making making him first in your life, and whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. I wonder if they, I wonder if they, they even knew what he was talking about, pick up the cross and follow me you know what he was really teaching them was self denial not self help <laughs> and and really your cross is denying yourself to seek him it's not it's just it's just a, again when you understand
1: that he's talking priorities here first 33 so likewise whoever he
0: is of you that does that does does not forsake all that he has, cannot be, again cannot be my disciple. What's he? Why is he saying these things, God? Why are you saying these things? He's saying that I'm all that you need; that you don't need to hang on to. Like Abraham, the Bible says that Abraham had no continuing city here. He said, "I'm looking for a city that hath foundations." whose builder and maker is God. He said, I keep a loose grip on everything so that God can keep his grip on me, and I'm keeping my grip on him. When, let me just say this, too. When you get to be at my age in life, you realize that, you know, things come and go. People come and go. People are, are for seasons in your life. To everything, there is a season to every purpose under heaven. Some people, you know, you try to keep them past their expiry date, and and they've been... They were in that season of your life, and now God's moving you into a new season. But, but the constant in the chaos is Christ. The const- What you really need, what I really need to hang on to is him. So he said, you cannot be my disciple. Now, it didn't say you can't be saved. <laughs> okay, so don't go saying <laughs> a- a- Anyway, let's go to chapter 15 now, because again, this is another
1: very familiar story. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in a little early here. I'm going to jump in in verse uh,
0: 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over the 99 just persons who need no repentance. I mean, you want to you throw a party in heaven? You You repent. You know, First John 2, 1 says that we have an advocate in heaven. And what does that advocate mean? It means that when you have a lawyer, you, you only say what he tells you to say. You don't out your own case. You get accused by the accuser, and he says, you did this, that, and such. You wait for your attorney to come, and your attorney will come and tell you exactly what to say, how to answer every problem. And so this is something that... You and I, we need to remember. Hallelujah. So, um, verse 8. What woman having a piece of silver and loses one piece does not light a candle, the Holy Ghost, revelation, <laughs> and, and sweep the house diligently until she finds it and brings it back into perfect order? And when she hath found it, she calls her friends and neighbors, to rejoice, rejoice over me. I have found what I have lost. Likewise, I say unto you, there's more joy in the presence of angels. of God over one sinner that repents. And then, and then he's going to tell the parable of the, the prodigal son. And, and we we're going to, let's just take another fresh look at it. He said, he said, there was a certain man that had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, uh, give me my portion of goods and he divided onto them, you need to circle them, because he gave them both their living. The younger son wasn't supposed to get his first anyhow. And then not many days later, of course, he took uh, his journey into a far country and wasted his substance on riotous living. But again, and not many days after that, after after he'd gone to Las Vegas or wherever he went, he spent all his money, and uh, maybe he was gambling online. I mean, I'm amazed at some of the things you could lose your money on today. <laughs> and so he spent all that he had, and there arose a mighty famine in the land. Could have been a pandemic, who knows? And he began to be in want, and when he had joined himself to a citizen of that country, (laughs) don't join yourself to that country, don't join yourself to that country, he sent him into the fields to feed the pigs, and he would have eaten the pig husk, but no one would even feed him. And when he came to himself, this is important, this is important because It was, first of all, it was his irresponsibility and his lack of discipline that almost destroyed his destiny. It was totally that. Irresponsible. Give me my money. I want to go spend it. And it almost destroyed his destiny. It could have destroyed his destiny. But then the Bible says in verse 17, when he came to himself, in other words, he made an altar call to himself. Uh, you, You may be sitting at home today. And 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 haven't uh, yeah, been in, in the kingdom in you know serving God, loving people, being around the things of the spirit of God for a long, long time. But but what happened here was it wasn't the goodness of his father that that brought him back into the kingdom. It was the smell of the pig pen. And I'm praying for people out there today that that have gotten away from God that they begin to smell the pig pen. And the only reason that you backslid, the only reason that you got away from God is because you were never, It's you, Mark chapter 4, it, it sprung up for a while and then things choked it out. It was because you never got rooted against, uh, Ephesians chapter 3 says that you need to be rooted and grounded in love. You need to put your roots down in the fact that God loves you. Rooted and grounded in love then you're able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width, the breadth, the depth, the height, to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that you can be filled, that you can be filled with the fullness of God. See, the reason why you're trying to fill yourself up with other things is because you're not full of the fullness of God. You're looking for some natural thing to to fill a spiritual void, and I just want you to know that it won't work. It won't ever work. So he came to himself. He made an altar call to himself. And he said, How many of my hired servants have bread enough to spare? And I'm sitting here starving in hunger. <laughs> so let the pig pen do the work. <laughs> it's working in people, right? Now. If you got people that are off there somewhere, again, if you got people, remember that when he's teaching the prodigal son, the disciples are going to go back in their minds to what they know from Jeremiah 31, the parodical chapter. And in the parodical chapter in Jeremiah 31, God says, stop your crying and stop your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears. Your work shall be rewarded, says the Lord. Your children will return again to their own borders. So when he's teaching this, they they know that. They know that when when you trust God, when you trust God with your family, God will take care of your family as well. But uh, but uh, but here the big thing was when he came to himself when you expect when you accept responsibility for your experience, Adam tried to blame Eve, it was the woman you gave me, and then he blamed God, it was the woman that you gave me, and all that God wanted him to do when he came to that garden in the cool of the day was accept responsibility, and we can get this deal straightened out right now, but he would not he was played the blame game, listen listen. It's your fault. <laughs> I, I, oh, somebody may have activated the thing, but you're, you, you have the ability to re- react or respond. You're in, you're in control of your thought life. And if you're, not, if you're not, who is? When he came to himself, when he came to accept responsibility for himself, he said, I'm going to rise and go to my father. See, but a breakthrough in your mind always per- brings a breakthrough in your life when you just stop blaming other people for your situation, when you reach out and accept the love of God, love God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and love your neighbor as you, as yourself have, have a love relationship with yourself. Come on. He said, I've sinned against heaven and before you, father, I rise and go to my father. And this is what I'm going to say. I'm going to rehearse this all the way home. And so he's, and so on. He goes, and he rose and came to his father, and when he was yet a great way off, I love this because when you, when you, um, read it in the Greek, you realize that the father was expecting his son to return any day, any time, and and not only that, he saw him afar off, and my Bible says that he ran on him and had compassion. And fell on his neck and kissed him, and the son repeated his little prayer that he brought home with him but 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 the father didn't even pay any attention to it. He said, "I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I am no longer to be worthy to called your son." But the father said unto his servants, "Bring the best robe I mean, think about it, adam Adam chose a garment of skin over over a garment of light." that's why we're the way we are today. But now he's saying, bring the best robe. Why? Because he came to restore sons back to glory. Bring the best robe and put it on him and put the family ring upon his figure. One decision turned his royalty into reality. You are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation to show forth the praises of him. That's called you out of darkness and into this glorious light. One decision. One decision, to return to the one that loved him. Return to your first love. Read Revelation chapter two, right? So, for this is my son. He was dead, but now he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. And he began to make merry. And uh, now the elder son was in the field. And again, we'd like to point this out, take a moment and point it out. He was in the field and he shouldn't have been. He should have been up at the house. He was management. And, and he came and drew near the house, and he heard the music and the dancing, and he called his servants and said, what's what's going on here? He said unto him, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has received him home safe and sound. And the, and the elder brother was said, oh, praise the Lord, this is wonderful. Now, verse 28, religion, religion always gets angry. Again, all the stuff that's going on in the world today, God will lead you back to Philippians 4, 6. Through 11, you know, casting all your care upon the Lord, knowing that he cares for you, of course, it's that's Peter. But really, uh, uh, Peter uh, 4.6, uh, Philippians 4, six says the same thing. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make your requests be made known to God. And And then let the peace of God rule in your heart and be thankful. And the things that are true and pure and just are really and virtuous and praiseworthy really and of a good report, think on these things. Think about that, church. Think about what the media is pumping into you, and then turn to the Word of God. Turn off Facebook if you have to, because turn, don't and don't allow those people to say, "Oh, listen to this guy's got to say and that guy's got to say." I'm so tired of the prophets. I'm not saying they're all bad. I'm saying I've heard too much right now. I, I want somebody to. I just want somebody to, to prophesy to me. I'm going to open up this book. I'm going to read the Bible. <laughs> Do prophets make mistakes? Well, obviously, obviously, <laughs> they might, they might. And, uh, and again, no, no political party is going to save me from the wrath, the things that are coming upon the earth. <laughs> What's going to save me is all the creation getting a manifestation of the glory of God. And then shall the end come. Somebody else said the other day, the Antichrist is here and he's about to manifest himself. I'm saying, well, that's contrary to scripture. Scripture tells you that he can't even manifest himself until the church is gone. So sometimes I'd like to stick my tongue out at people, but they, that's not love either. So, <laughs> but, but again, there was a Samaritan that came down and took him to the inn. And I tried to think about who, who would that be that would irritate me? Because God used that person. And if I find somebody, then I need to check myself. God can use whoever He wants to use, and really, I, I don't, anyway praise God. <clears throat> so, so he's in the field and he got upset, and uh, he wouldn't even come in. Therefore, the father came out and entreated him, and he answered and said to his father, "I've been these years serving you. See, that's not a son." Read Galatians chapter four. We've been, we, 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 we're the, we are, we are the sons of God. And we, we were, we, we were servants of sin, but then we became, I think in verse Galatians four, seven, we became sons. It's about sonship. It's about family. Lo, oh, these many years do I serve you. Neither did I transgress at any time the commandment. Yet you never gave me a kid. Or it might be married your friends, but as soon as your son came, who has devoured himself with riotous living. See, but when, you, when I read this, what he's saying about his son, now I know where his heart was. He judged his brother and passed that. But when he judged his brother, here's the sad thing. He passed the judgment on to himself. That's why the Bible says, judge not that you, lest you be judged, right? The, what he found... What he found in him in his brother
1: ended up in himself, and so, so he says, um, he killed
0: him the fat calf. He said unto him, "Son, you have been with me since the beginning. All that I have is yours." This is Ephesians one verse three. I bless you with all the spiritual blessings in the heavenlies in Christ, and called you into me, into my into my kingdom before the foundation of the world, and so. Just because just because one person learns how to partake of those blessings, make those promises exceeding great and precious, doesn't mean that you do. Matter of fact, you know, when you read Second Peter chapter one, he said, "Grace and peace will be multiplied unto you through revelation knowledge of him." So the grace and the peace are there, but whether you ever partake of it or not. You can partake of his divine nature and escape the corruptions in the world through lust, or you might not. But if you're not partaking, don't get upset with somebody that's found it out, especially somebody that's been saved two or three months. Even have been serving God all these years. But again, it's always a heart condition. It's always a heart condition. He said, everything is, uh, you've been ever with me and everything I have is yours. My, oh, my. My. My dear boy, don't let pride keep you out. Now the father is waiting for the older brother. The younger brother came home, but now the father is waiting for the older brother. (laughs) So one brother, it's kind of like when you look about Joseph and his brethren. You know, they thought they ruined Joseph's life, but in 13 years, he got a big promotion. But whose lives got ruined? theirs did
1: their their negative imagination ruined their lives and by the way by the
0: way if you, you'd you never grow if god cushioned every blow in your life you know sometimes you're just gonna have to take some on the chin <laughs> this older brother had to come in and, and take it on the chin and realize wow i wasted all these years well that's okay you wasted the years to get back on the horse real quick. Okay, one more uh, set of, one more, a couple of verses. And um, we'll let you get on with your Sunday. But again, it, again, it's all about, it's all about the love of God. We need to go to Romans chapter 8.
1: Romans 8. We could use his bookends. Remember John thirteen one,
0: where it says he loved them to the very end. And again, read fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Realize that those ver- those verses were the last days of his last day of his life, like it was Passover and he was getting ready to get crucified. He took his he took his apron, wrapped a towel around his waist and washed everybody's feet. What did he want them to remember when he was gone? I love you. I'm sending you another comforter. He, he, he won't speak of himself, but he'll be with you, and he'll be in you. He'll walk in you. And the glory that I receive from the Father, I'm giving it unto you. That real glory is, that's the love of God. The, the firstborn among many brethren, his love for you. But look at this. This
1: is how we, this, let put this on the other end of that bookshelf right there. Verse 37 of Romans 8. Now remember this, that all of creation is on tiptoe waiting for the sight, waiting for
0: the wonderful sight, waiting for the manifestation of sons of God. In verse 19 of Romans 8. This is all packaged together, so you, I don't mean to dissect it, but, I, but, but you, need to, you need to see what he's saying here, that you can endure, you can endure and overcome, confront, uh, opposition, you know, in me you have peace, in the world you have tribulation, things will, things are coming against you, but the things that are coming against, you, I love what happened in Israel, well, I don't love what happened in Israel, but what's going on over there right now at the t- at the time of this taping is probably seventeen or 1,800 missiles got blasted in Israel over the past 24 hours and we look at that, but what it has done, what Iran and—I Iran? won't name names because they're all in it together. But what it has done is it has united all the parties, the political parties in Israel, to, to one voice. And that is what I'm anticipating is going to happen in the church as we are, as we are persecuted, if you will, we are being persecuted in this country for the first time. Pastors being arrested and things like that. I'm not talking about being militant, but I will say this. We need to stand together. Like we need to stand together. Like maybe, maybe I wasn't the guy that got arrested out in Calgary, got, but maybe we could take up an offering, send it to him. or Like those are the kind of things. They're trying to tear us, the whole of society, they're trying to turn uh, one race against another race. Let's just be the human race. And you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. And uh let let's let these things unify us. Let's not now fight over somebody who went and got their vaccination and somebody else doesn't want to. And <laughs> ah, just, just put a lip on it. Just put a zip on the lip, you know. Let's if it's it's kind of he said life and death are in the power of the tongue, they love it, we eat the fruit of it. No matter what, let's choose Deuteronomy 30, 19. He said, choose life. Life and death. Choose life. I said before you this day, blessing and cursing, choose blessing, choose life that you and your seed may live. Let's just, let's just love one another. Let's I don't agree with you. You don't agree with me. Okay, but we don't have to be disagreeable. We can, if we're really loving one another, we're really going to be the body of Christ. If they're going to call us Christians first in Antioch, let's get it done. Anyway, let me finish with these verses.
1: In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, the deliverance that he's bringing into your life, you'll, you'll, preach, his, you'll preach that
0: deliverance and bring it to others. It, the, the, the love of God that's shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, you'll bring it to others. Why? Because for I am persuaded. I am persuaded. Get yourself fully persuaded. Convince yourself. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Whoo! Come on. Embrace that. Embrace that in your life today. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Well, I don't feel like... Well, your feelings got nothing to do with it. If you're still being led by your feelings, you you, you really need some help. But if you're led by the, the, the Spirit of God, then you're a son of God and you're operating in love and joy and peace. I speak love and joy and peace to you today in Jesus' name. Love and joy and peace knowing that he loved you while he was on the earth till the very end, and then he sent the Holy Ghost. It's expedient for you that I go away, for if I don't go away, the comforter won't come. The comforter, the comforter, the lover won't come. But when the lover grow to shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost, come on, the lover is on the inside of you. Let him out in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.